No, the start of the episode is right now. Jay, how have you been enjoying the uh, Pokemon? The new Pokemon. We're not going to introduce the title of the podcast? It's the Shoot in the Sheet podcast. I'm Jay. I I'm love Miles. the new Pokemon. Uh, and Jay's here as well, and Jay loves the new Pokemon. What are you finding the best about it? Is that you because you can have very large dogs? <laughs> uh, Miles, first, how are you? And I will get to talking about how much I love large dogs. I'm I'm good. I am currently forcing myself to not have my Switch on the desk next to me, <laughs> because if I do, I'll be playing Arceus during the podcast, and I I can't play. I can't play Arceus and actually focus on having good, like, mic presence at the same time. Although, whether or not I have good mic presence is already debatable. Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about uh, stat talking generation. About... Oh, sorry, Jay. Didn't mean to yeah. Where are my statisticians? No, you go first. Audience. I liked your tone. Do it again. Yeah, we're, we're talking about stat generation, everybody. This is going to be fun. Uh, nobody has differing opinions on this, and there's definitely not going to be strong frustrations uh even at even amongst three of us at certain methods of stat generation oh i'm curious to see if you can actually make jay mad about this jay's so chill I, you know you're making me mad with all this nerd talk this is like a bunch of like actuaries having a podcast where they talk about notarization stat arrays you guys gotta let me under me and the audience understand why you care so goddamn much about these numerical systems I well, mean, I'm going to let well, you because say when you roll your math rocks, listening to this podcast, they probably care about stat arrays. And they but, probably care about the news. Yeah. In the TTRPG Ozone, um, I don't know. I'm just scrolling down the News Digest on the End World, and uh, there's a 68-page PDF that's up now for with uh, five pre-generated characters for a thing called, like, Homeworld Revelations, which is the most, like, you know, cornball space fantasy. Like, we're set adrift. Time to find a new home. I think that's for free up on a uh, drive-through RPG. Um, 68 pages for four characters. Well, it's like a whole, it's a rule set and probably a tiny little campaign and uh, uh, pre-generated characters. I'm almost surprised okay. that it's only 68 pages. Like an, some sort of all in one. No, I know. It's just, I mean, I read some rules life books and even they rarely are under a hundred. Uh, it uses the Modifius uh, 2d20 system, whatever that means. Oh, I don't know that system, but I guess they probably don't have a lot of the core rules in it. Yeah. No, I would imagine that they... I, don't, I would hope that they do, um, other, or that's otherwise accessible. I mean, uh, Jay, pretty soon you'll be playing in a system uh, whose entire core rulebook is only 57 pages. Based on the Homeworld real-time strategy video game series that follows aliens exiled from their home planet after it was destroyed by the Taliban Empire for developing hyperspace jump technology... But the aliens are people, humans, you know. But to all of the other, all of the outside aliens, when we show up there, we're the aliens. You ever think about that? I love that you're talking about that when there's literally a RuneScape. It's something much more important. Y'all ever remember trying to get those server hookups connected when you were 14 on your uh, Windows XP family computer that was in the den? <laughs> and you were just like, finally, I can log into RuneScape. It must have been nice to have money. Ladies and gentlemen, coming in 2022. Yeah, I only played RuneScape, RuneScape at the public tabletop library. Game. You can uh, buy GF for 10,000 gold in what? the... Uh... Oh, fuck me. Who's it made by? Jagex? Uh, published RuneScape, the tabletop game. Scheduled for release. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, most of my experience with RuneScape has been from my friend Jamie, not the one that I'm sitting next to and I'm dating, a different Jamie, 
who was sitting there just cutting logs all night and I was like I don't understand this game and then eventually my now ex who also just sat there cutting logs all day I don't get this game and then you and then you walk like 30 yards to the east because you don't know what's there and like as the black void like pulls up around the landscape it just reveals some monster way higher level than you and you're like I don't even understand I, 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 do I have wind runes will that help me uh, so hopefully this game starts literally with you um the little uh, mechanic tutorial section for the party is like, here's some wood, make a fire. And be like, now here's some raw shrimp. Cook these shrimp. You cooked it, it's burnt. <laughs> Cook it, uh, give me three well done shrimp. And you're like, great. Here's five earth runes. Combine them into one water rune. Kill two rats. It should have a heavy PvP focus. Every time you oh. sit every time you sit back down at the table, there should be like a one in 10 chance that one of your characters uh, doesn't exist anymore because your account got uh, <laughs> deleted. Oh god. This that game was have that like was my persistent struggle playing it at the uh, public library is every time I try and log back it I got my first email address because of that game uh, but every time I'd try to log back in my account wouldn't exist anymore so I'd have to make a new character. I don't think I ever got more than like an hour into that game. Yeah, no, it's impossible to because you're playing it when you have very low cognitive abilities. You're like 11 years old. I think this game would be really interesting this runescape tabletop game if at some point you can sort of zoom out of your character into the child that's playing their character on like an old gateway computer in their dad's basement in their stepdad's basement because they only have access to it for this weekend and you find out that like you're, you have to message someone on aol to find the right server connection to pvp jeremy from uh, gym class but then he beats you and takes your special helmet and you run over to his house and throw a rock at his window. Oh gosh. So you know what else um, happened over the past week is uh, we watched the first episode of it. We were very slow with watching this for some reason. Uh, probably because Pokemon came out. Um, but the Critical Role anime animation. It is it, an anime. It is an anime. It's a Western um, anime. But it is an animation, a cartoon. I don't know. Um, it is release it's one of those edgy cartoons it's like that uh harley quinn show honestly i don't think and i've seen a couple people echo this not as much as it's I like that castlevania but anime it's... where they like t say piss and like kill each other with guts but i don't think critical role is necessarily this i, I feel like critical role always had gore and some crass humor but they just kind of combined everything into like cutting off arms in a bar fight. And I'm like, this, this feels odd. I mean, I don't have the biggest like fondness for season one's Critical Role cast. Um, the only one I really spent much time with was season two. And even then I couldn't finish cause God, it's just such a time investment. There's such a, in this show, there's such a tonal whiplash cause it'll play so much like we're wacky, gory, uh, we say fuck and make balls euphemisms and drink beer. Do you remember when our village sex. was destroyed? And uh, reference things. But then like it switches immediately into like, come on guys. Do you remember our like, village was destroyed? Do you remember our family village was destroyed? Or like, come on guys, we've been fuck ups all our lives, but like maybe this time we can really show the world that, you know, we're worth a second look to me because they always just blow us off and then immediately just like oh my god i watched somebody die and now the stakes of like fighting a monster have set in for me where, where i might die horribly and like that you have that tinnitus ringing of like trauma and then it's back to like oh is the oh look at all this blood you got blood on my tits 
Okay. Um, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna keep watching it. I, I am too, because I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I hear it gets better after the third episode, and I will say the animation quality of it is really good, and the voice actors are good at voicing the characters that they. Yeah, of course the voice acting is gonna be good for it. <laughs> yeah, what? No professional time. voice actors are good at voice acting. Professional voice actors are good at voice acting characters that they voice acted for hundreds of hours. Yeah. I. I don't, I, I don't want to say this is an in, insult, but with this show, like, if I was 14, this would be my favorite thing in the fucking world. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm 28. Um, the thing is, it's like, it has that thing where, like, a one of the main characters will, like, flip somebody off with both hands. And it sort of expects you, the audience, to be like, oh, no way, he flipped him the bird. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm too, I'm too old for that one, you know? Yeah, again, I don't remember... I, and you know what? Maybe maybe that is just how season one's cast was. Season two, they could have some stuff happen, but I don't know. It didn't feel quite... Like, how do you say something is juvenile, but it's like an ambivalent statement? It's not like a condemnation, but it's like... If anything, I have a fondness for it. It's... That, like, I'm, I'm, sort, I'm somewhat embarrassingly indulging in. Which... It's, it's performative... Uh, performative maturity. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Which but is actually, honestly yeah. kind of my problem with a lot of, like, adult animation. Um, mm -hmm. Because so much, and especially, I mean, realistically, adult nerd media in general, but especially adult animation, really tries to go hard at, like, this may be animation, but it's not for kids. This isn't cartoons. This ain't your granddad's Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. And it's like, okay, but you're sacrificing an actually enjoyable story for the sake of, in most cases, just shock value. And Jamie, you used the word, you used the phrase comedy of gore the other day to describe critical role, and you made a comparison here to the Harley Quinn show, which I, ha I have that same problem with. And I with. don't write it off, because gore and, you know, grievous bodily horror, like, can be really funny. It, it can if you, like, if you are someone who has a stomach for it, it can be. I generally am not so like even though i appreciate so like like my my partner really likes the harley quinn show and i i appreciate parts of it and to a certain degree like if she's watching it i might just not be looking at the screen and i can enjoy it way more if i'm not looking at it because it just it uh, I got the same. Quinn, I got I the same vibe from the Critical Role show, but I'm also a bad nerd, and I haven't even watched a complete episode of Critical Role itself because I couldn't. I I just couldn't get through the episode I tried to watch. Oh, I've never seen any Critical Role. I mean, honestly, I would not recommend starting with season one. <laughs> so with this, um, like adult animation stuff, it's always spread on kind of thick. Like it's the subtler moments of anything that gets me you know, cracking up. I remember in, like, the first episode of the Harley Quinn, amidst all of the, like, you know, cutting people's dicks off jokes or whatever, there was just, like, a little moment where they had, like, a classic campy, like, Batman situation where they were dangling above a vat of acid. Harley Quinn gets dunked in the acid, but then finds out it's not acid, it's, like, margarita mix. Mm -hmm. That, uh... The, the fucking Riddler had to just be like, you know how, you know how hard it is to find this much margarita mix? Yeah. And I was like, that's... This is actually the really funny part of this. Not the... Mm -hmm. You know, cutting dudes in half. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's anyway. that's that's where I think I'm, some I'm the one some, going on a tangent now. That's where I think some adult media can can shine is that like a little bit extra step joke that you can make that wouldn't necessarily play in 
media that's meant to have, you know, broader age appeal. Even though, realistically, if it's meant to appeal to adults, that's the broadest fucking age range in existence. Because it's just like, alright, cool. Adult media is realistically meant to appeal to people 16 and up. That That's most ages. <laughs> that's the vast majority <laughs> that, of that's ages. That's most people. Yeah. Um, alright, we've but, spent yeah. enough on this digression about these shows. I'm the worst of which. Um... Would y'all like a story? Well, we usually do that Wait. near the end. Um, okay. Oh, do we have anything with uh, GM Workshop slash do we want to do some guys? I think we should because we said we were going to last week. Yeah, and then we and that didn't give any guys. <laughs> I we, got a guy right there off There were no the guys. All right. I got, a, I got a guy. Give me a guy who is the wet wipe wizard. Oh. Like. Oof. Okay. Let's see. I mean, I have I to have, assume. I, I have to assume water genasi. I have to assume water genasi. Um, okay. <laughs> well, has that prestidigitation of a spell just mm -hmm. for the cleaning? Well, aspect, not just for the cleaning, but the fact that you can, uh, you can make things wet with prestidigitation. There's that classic, right, classic joke that. of use prestidigitation to piss someone else's pants. Um, which is that seems. I'm just learning that for the first time. That's crazy. The press of digitation can just make things wet. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that make it, versatile. That doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Uh, press of digitation is supposed to be like basically baby's first generic magic. Like it's the, a ludicrous thing can just mm -hmm. make something wet. Well, yeah, because you're supposed to be like, I can make this food taste better. I can make this food taste worse. I can make food warm. I can make it cold. I can light a campfire. I can make some light noises. I forgot. You can make the small trinkets. Something. It's really just. It's. I mean, honestly. Yeah, prestidigitation. Prestidigitation is so broad. I don't. I don't remember all of its listed things, because realistically, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, if this is a minor magical effect, fine, whatever. You can Why don't use, you use that prestidigitation to make some pussies wet. Oh. Um. They're not supposed to be. I asked my wife. So anyway. Alright, um, so... What's the weapon? What's their weapon? Um, I'm gonna say, like, a mace. Or, hmm. um, or a flail. Or maybe, like, a flail, but... No, I've got it. I actually. was gonna say a net. See, I was thinking a of a net, good. too. I was just thinking a mace or something is something you could easily just attach a wet wipe on. No, their their weapon is a, is a combat-ready cape, like from the hit NBC TV show, The Cape. The cape, but it's but always it's just, like, moist. Cloth. No, so the easy thing is it's classified as a whip, but it is one of those like rolled up twisted towels. Oh, yep, there it is. And it's always wet because you're using prestidigitation to make it wet. And yep. you like, whoosh, you snap people with it, you snap them in the balls. Well, don't do that. My dad told me a story about that. Didn't end well. Wait, your dad told you a story about getting snapped in the balls with the towel? someone else. I mean I'm sure it's the like standard you know urban legend about someone getting snapped in the nuts with a towel in it yeah and it just knocks their balls right off not exactly but I'm not gonna get super into it uh -huh. because of potential like content warnings for people Jesus Christ all right what's this wet wipe wizard's name Seamus Seamus not sure why just just felt it Seamus he Seamus shames the wet us all with how cleanly he is. Seamus, Seamus the, the Clor Oclorox. 
Alright. <laughs> Give me a guy. A mute bard. This could be nice. Ooh, his thing. He does. So his pronouns are he, him. Gotcha. Okay. Um, this bard, the performance they do is gloving. Miles, I, do you remember gloving? I, I was about to say that they that they did like close-up hand uh, performances with their stuff. Absolutely. Exactly. They've I'm got right special gloves. They've got special gloves with a light of e on each finger, and they've got an elaborate uh, hand maneuver sequence that can make the tips of their fingers look like flowing snakes or shifting blocks. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. You ever seen that at, at like a rave or anything? Oh, I love it's it. Very, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very good. Um, they absolutely... It's like breakdancing with your hands. You can do the Naruto ninjutsus. Uh, I don't know if it's on the bard spell list or not, but they know color spray 100%. Like, if there mm -hmm. is if there is like color spray, minor illusion, all that shit, that is them. Um, as such, I think probably College of Glamour. Um, mm hmm. Hmm. I think they'd be involved with dancing too. Maybe. I am gonna say. No, that's how the. If, is there a type of bard that like their spells are dancing based? Because that can just easily apply to this. So not technically. Uh, any bard, their their uh, magic can theoretically be any form of performance. Um, but I am gonna say, I think I think for character race, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go outside the standard and I'm gonna go Vidalkin. Which are these really tall, lanky blue people from uh, Ravnica, one of the MTG uh, planes. And they've got six very long fingers. Six very long fingers? They're perfect for this. Mm -hmm. You said they were dolphin people? No, they're they're tall, blue, lanky people. Okay. Uh, yeah, Vidalkin. Uh, although they are partially... Oh, that's what I... They are, I fucking... <laughs> I heard that wrong. They, they I thought you said they were dolphin people amphibious. with long fingers. I'm like, that's spooky. <laughs> No, they are partially amphibious, uh, but dolphins aren't. Uh, I like this character so that's far. That's a pretty good yeah, one. Yeah, that's, a, that's um, a good one. Uh, okay, so my turn for the third one. Um, oh, damn it. I had it, and then I lost it. Uh, Gotta give me a second. Don't remember. Sorry. The We have super high winds here, and it just took my... Uh, my sliding door screen and moved it along swept the... his ideas away out the no, window and it down just, the street. It just moved the sliding door or it moved the screen on my sliding door over, which was terrifying because I thought someone was about to walk through my sliding door. Um, oh, God. I'm actually terrified of like sliding doors uh, and big glass windows. What's I've... your favorite scary movie? I just watched too many, too much true crime and that doesn't even happen a lot in it, because to break those down, you have to break it, so that makes a lot of noise. I but, see you making popcorn. And then I just start, you know, right, so while well, they're watching. All so right. there you go. Yeah. One of the show. Here you go. Do you think about give your thing me now, Miles? A, yes. Uh, give me a sorcerer who's... Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, give me a paladin who is specifically, like, a server for uh, summons for divorce court. Ooh. Oh, gosh. All right. So I want to say he starts with, like, a... Uh, his great shield is, like, essentially a... Uh, like a posting board of various, like, warrants and uh, different uh, papers to serve people. And it's got, like, the faces of his targets are on these. These are, these are like, yeah, 
like subpoenas and divorce court, like you're getting served, all sorts of things. But they're all like marked like bounties on his great shield. I think they take like a pledge of like petty vengeance for whoever they are the ones serving the court. Yes. Like, and this is also like small claim civil court stuff. Because like, no, they, they like are uh, like make an oath to whoever like Who's, is. Yeah. Who like of paladin or are there paladin orders? Like, oh yeah. What, which ones do you think would be like bureaucratic? Wait, sorry. My brain's just going. Do Probably you think they have like, to be, like certain levels to like be able to serve certain people. Like they can only serve like commoners at level one, then maybe like level three is merchants, you keep going up, and then when you reach level 20, you can serve gods. Mm -hmm. They're divorce papers. Hi, Miles. All right. Y'all got a lot of mileage out of that one. I'm glad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad too. Um, You were talking about GM Workshop before I... Wait, did I interrupt you? I feel like I no. really interrupted you. You didn't interrupt me because I said, should we do, uh, do we have anything for GM Workshop or or should we do some guys? And you transitioned us into give me a guy. So you didn't interrupt me. You got us to transition and now we're getting bogged down again. So GM Workshop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you just saying you got us to transition. You're welcome <laughs> for being an inspiration. <laughs> well, I mean, that is, that is, you know, what happens to, uh, that is what happens to friend groups as you get older. They just, you know, continue to get gayer and gayer. And, you know, that, yeah, that's just, that's just what happens. It's true. By the end of college, no one was straight in, like, a straight person in my friend group. It just, I don't, yeah. These kids today, they're getting gayer and gayer. Well, for us, it was more bisexual. But anyways, GM Workshop. Miles, Honestly. have you been working on anything? Maybe... Uh, I sure have. I sure have. I've been preparing what will hopefully be our first actually put out uh, series of episodes for Fun Shot. Uh, and in it, we're going to be playing a uh, homebrewed system of mine where it's uh, based off of the classic Game Boy Advance and Nintendo DS RPG series Golden Sun. Uh, it's... It's a, it's a lot of fun getting back into this system because I haven't run it in, like, well over a year and haven't actually, like, thought about running it in about that long either. So it's fun to go back to it and see all of the design work I had done on it and just be like, oh, okay, wait, where's my, where's the answer to this question? There it is. All right, cool. Where's the answer to this question? There it is. Cool. And, like, be able to both find my way around and slightly remember my way around the rulebook. Um, and just, you know, reacquainting myself with the world, starting to plot out uh, the first, like, session-ish of what we're going to be recording, because, you know, it's, it's going to go some places probably. It probably won't end up going the place I initially think, because it's a one-shot. Of course it won't. Um, but, like, it's just fun to think about and you know i have ideas for the plot that also kind of depend on the party bank up like in theory the the ship that your party is starting out escorting is going to be going to either uh, a town in the northeast or a town to the northeast of you or a town way to the south of you 
depending on the party makeup, because uh, different elemental uh, alignments will want to go to, it will benefit more from those different spots. Now, Miles, I have a very serious wink wink question. Mm -hmm. Who is going to play the protagonist and therefore can only speak via um, anime emojis? Okay, so to be fair, Matthew, the protagonist of the third game, could mostly only speak in four emojis, but he did say fuck once. Um, oh, wow. He, he said one fuck word, and it was at the very end of the game. Uh, it was it, it was just, you know, question marks and explanation marks, but we, we knew what it was. Or exclamation <laughs> marks. Uh, and Isaac really only spoke in nods and head shakes. He didn't even have four emojis. He just had two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I still love, like, how the protagonists of that game... And that's not uncommon, but mm -hmm. I, I do love the, the protagonists of the Golden Sun games being silent until you are not playing as them. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm excited for it. I still need to look more through your book, but I will say that my favorite gameplay character was... Um, uh, was it Ivan? It was Ivan, right? Yeah, Ivan. Yeah, okay. I had to assume, because I was like, wait, no, Isaac. Oh, do they really have two characters with short eye names in that game? They did indeed. Uh, both of them also had blonde hair. Um, yep. But, you know, Isaac is from the town of Vale, and Ivan is from the moon. <laughs> that, I'm not kidding. He is from the moon. The Golden Sun I'm world here? is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, my family grew up on the moon. He didn't grow up on the moon. He fell from the moon as a baby. <laughs> the moon was my mother. Because the moon is a floating city levitated oh, up there by the ancient... Damn, spoiler uh, alert, dude. By the ancient magical Animos people. <laughs> yeah, sometimes your moon is actually a, a secret prison for a dragon. Sometimes it's just a weird city. Yeah, uh, but... <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, hey, that's but what happens. your moon will not be? That's what, happens. That's what happens when uh, your world is actually literally flat. The, the world of Golden Sun is a flat earth. There is, there is an edge that is just waterfalls. Oh my god. Right, and they never did anything like, oh, the world beneath us. That's no, because there the isn't those one. Those types of games go. Golden Sun seems like totally like the sort of series that I could totally imagine that the, you find out that the creators of it were like a really weird offshoot of Scientologists and the Golden Sun Road was like yes this was what humanity was like in Eon's past no they just make a like lot of Mario sports games yeah. yeah they just make Mario sports well, games well we should bring it back um, but I've been having fun messing with it and thinking about how to like how to just make this digestible for people and you know I'm, I'm excited to get back into it and to get new people playing it because it's something, you know, near and dear to my heart. I spent, you know, a year of my life on it. And I'm really excited for you and to I play it now. And I can never sell it. And I'd also be excited for you to play it if we're doing a fun shot for a bit. I'd really be curious to see what you feel uh, you'd like to do with it after you play a whole bunch of different systems. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm not going to lie. Part of the uh, 
Part of the design was definitely influenced by the fact that I was playing the Pathfinder 2E uh, playtest at the time. Like, that's where that's where I got a little bit more of the, like, skill rank system from, or proficiency mm -hmm. rank system from, rather than just, like, you have proficiency in this skill and it's like that forever. It's like, no, I like Pathfinder's system where you increase your proficiency over time. I mean, Pathfinder 2E has minimal bonuses depending on proficiency rank. That's mostly just used to unlock different feats. But we're not talking about how bad Pathfinder's feat system is uh, tonight. We're, we're talking we really, about other things. I, I think, Miles, I think you're setting yourself up that you do need to do a Pathfinder 2 fun shot at some point. Yeah, you've cursed yourself. I have. I have cursed myself. And, and this isn't just because I'd like to try to play Pathfinder 2E. You know what? The easiest the, way seems to be to trap you. The the Pathfinder 2E playtest, here it is. Your your goal, or not playtest, the Pathfinder 2E fun shot. Your goal for this fun shot, kill the unkillable NPC from my playtest game. The, path, oh, the, the fucking, I... the character that didn't even manage to die by, be, by being trapped on an exploding moon. Because so, the party used wish, they used their they used their one use of wish to save her. Uh, yeah, that's oh. what you're supposed to do. If you, what what good is a wish if you can't save your friend from a collapsing moon or something? Uh, speaking of things that happened in sessions, though, we didn't talk about what's happened to us in the last week or so of uh, our RPG games. That's true. Uh, how many games are you in this week, Miles? Three. Wow. wow, someone's popular. Or someone just has way too much time. Uh, not anymore with three games. That's not all my games, but anyway, um, yeah, no, I was in I was in <laughs> our last session of Ryutama. Um, our last session of Ryutama, which went well and was interesting, and uh, we learned a lot about, like, theoretical structures moving forward and stuff. Um yeah, Ryutama was fun. I just was pulling out all of the tropes that I'm used to in games. And by that, I should say more so video games and shite. Because I was like, I don't really know what to do. Ryutama is definitely a system that... Two things about that. Because um, I think we might do a full Ryutama episode now that we've played the system for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a few things I do for Ryutama is I definitely homebrew the shit out of it. Um, because... There's a lot I like in it, but we've both talked about, and I'm sure we will again, that sometimes it does feel a little bare. Um, but the other thing is, I don't think Ryutama works very well for short, short games. I think it's perfect for medium-length games. Um, by that, I mean, yeah. like, a couple months. Because Ryutama is all about the journey. And it, to me, maybe... I could probably recontextualize it, but it's hard to do a good story about a journey in three episodes, maybe. Yeah, that is you definitely fair. You want to one-shot that completely. And even then, I don't know if I'd say that Ryutama would be the best for that. I think Ryutama actually just needs, like, the way its systems work, it's designed for more sessions of more, um, like, extended focus on the journey. Yeah. Like, we, we would do our our travel roles and just, like, gloss over them in five minutes, if that. And I think in a game where we were taking our time, 
not trying to do a podcast of it, much less a podcast for three episodes. Um, that would be great. You know, just have spend some time describing what you guys see, what you encounter. Because um, I had plans for it, but then I always sacrificed those plans for quote unquote trying to get to any bits of the plot. Yeah. Um, which again, in a session where you don't have goals exactly like a podcast, I think that's easier. Yeah. But, and and I think I think we were a little bit. It, it might be interesting to try it again with just a smaller scale plot. Oh yeah, like that's the problem. Is like I. And I will encounter this a lot as we continue onwards. I have a problem of just escalating plots to their JRPG extremes. I would be lying if I said most of my plots did not usually end up involving killing deities of some sort. And I know exactly why. Because you want to kill God. Because I that's all I played when I was a kid were games about killing god yeah like that golden compass game <laughs> uh i mean like one of my favorite games ever is xenogears and then of course xenosaga and then xenoblade chronicles x which actually has less to do with killing god and xenoblade chronicles 1 which has to do with killing god um i i like god killing games i guess um Usually because gods get to represent uh, specific ideals. Ideals which I disagree with. Weird, like, whole paradigms of the universe and what the point of life is. And you just... You kind of do a lot of fighting nihilism sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you do... Uh, spoilers for Final Fantasy IX. You do... The final boss is fighting the concept of uh, mortality and death itself. Because... I guess the game was about war the whole time. But so But what happens if you kill mortality? I I guess you... it, it is weird cuz it oh <laughs> uh, what's it uh space dragon from another dimension is that the trope? Um it it really feels like a more weirdly metaphorical fight which is the kind of shit I love. Um like I'm not, I I want to get back away from this because I'll just talk about Final Fantasy 9 now. Um but I need to be conscious of what plots I end up doing in either not doing that, knowing that I can't resist the call of that, or, and like seeing what systems handle uh, that better. Um, but, and Ryutama would be so fun to just do a much quainter game than what I ended up putting out. Yeah. Um, it was honestly, once I got to the second episode, and we decided a thing where the dragons that each town had were slowly, like, nibbling the memories of people as, like, uh, food. Uh, and, and I was talking to Jay about this the day before we recorded. It was like, and I, I told him, like, the plot twist development thing I was talking about. It's like, I don't know, it feels too much. But at the same time, every other thing I could think of feels really boring and, like, nothing. It's not going to lead to any conclusion in one or two more sessions. So, I don't know. That's just because my brain couldn't think of something. I know smarter people than I definitely could. But, um, so that's Ryutama. Uh, yeah. We played an ice, I'm just, ice queen, um, frost maiden again. Uh, yeah. Monday, finally, because it's been a few weeks. 
yeah, and it'll be a few weeks before we play in it again. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, it's... but yeah, we 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 caught up on the lore dump that happened last half session, um, and just y'all came to some ideas and some conclusions, and started to form a plan uh, for what in... has become the end game of the campaign. Uh, wasn't the it, end it game I like... thought was possible at the beginning, but here it is. You know, like, I I feel like, to some degree, it felt like we are just, like, ignoring our other side quests just to go to the final dungeon. But that also kind of feels natural to me for what our characters would do. Yeah, your um, your characters are, um, not problem solvers, but you're very direct. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah, you're, you're, you're very direct- uh, focused people. One could even say hyper-focused. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you're you're rolling towards the end game. Um, and realistically, we could end this campaign in another couple sessions. Um, but also, there are some things that you still have hanging and like left open, and I don't super want to leave those open for you know, just brushing over in the epilogue necessarily, so we might do a couple sessions of played epilogue, too. Oh, that would make sense, especially while we, uh, transition to, from Miles to Zoe as our GM for, uh, Chapter 3. So, I, I actually do have a question, Miles. So, this is, you're, you're calling this Chapter 3, um, so that implies a connection between Chapter 1 and 2, um, and you're also stepping down from uh, GMing for a bit. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I have I have nothing but trust for Zoe as a. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I have plenty more than just trust for Zoe as a GM. Um, but I have complete trust in Zoe as a GM. Um, and realistically, she knows more about the setting of the Feywild than I do, and that seems to be where this campaign is headed for its next phase. So I, I believe in her ability to give us a better campaign than I could because she knows more about this setting and the intricacies of character interactions there than I do. Well, I'm really excited to play a long game with you as a character. Um, I'm also excited to make a new character because I love my current one, but we've been together for a long time now and I don't know. I think they deserve a rest. Yeah, um... I'm curious to see how Zoe is going to start off the next one, and, like, what level she's going to do everything at, and whether there's going to be character crossover between chapters 1, 2, and 3. I had, I had initially, um, sort of thought about it in terms of, okay, well, you could take your character from 1 or from 2, or three, but you'd be less likely to make a completely new character for three. Um, but she's the one running this one, so if she has a better idea or, you know, something else, I'm gonna defer to her judgment. Um, especially since that'd be, that'd be forcing her to start off designing things based around the kind of ridiculously overpowered characters that I have 
give it that, that I have been dealing with from y'all for chapters cha chapter two a bit, but especially chapter one. Listen, chapter one, if I brought back my character from that, I might try to bargain for some of the things I got to do with my um, uh, robot. But I, like, if you said you have to give up all of your um, uh, magic items, I'd be like, sure, okay. Yeah, you um, have to, you have to, you have to give up almost all of them because their magic is being channeled to create the portal to the Feywild that you're using at the beginning of chapter three. There you go, Zoe. I've given you, I, I've given you a potential excuse. <laughs> and like, actually, the way I'm thinking about it, the uh, upgrades that you got let me do to my robot Barnaby weren't even like game breaking. They were just yeah, you types got to of do damage different... it could do now. Yeah, I was like. Which is something I adore, is having options. I, I should stop talking because now I'm going to want to replay this character because I will start, like... Uh, otherwise, I have to create a third character with an A name for you, the game on Mondays for some reason. <laughs> um, Abner, uh, Azriel, um, Anastasia, Ab Mama. Ab Abernathy. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, um, Albatrixie. <laughs> uh, but I have also played in my Final Fantasy VII game. I played in it Ooh. yesterday, and we cleared through the Temple of the Ancients, and um, despite our GM's consistent reminders and warnings about how deadly the Temple of the Ancients was uh, would be, we left with more characters than, well, technically equal number of characters than we went in with. Cloud is currently under Sephiroth's mental domination, uh, and just picked up the Black Materia, which, bad, uh, but we managed to produce the black materia without anyone needing to die uh and gained a not only reclaimed our trapped characters who had failed their tests uh but gained a new character who is a cetra sage who willingly chose to remain trapped in the temple and is quote more powerful than anyone Aerith has ever sensed um he's a level 20 character and he's my new second character. <laughs> Congratulations. What a great time. Uh, but he also is apparently thematically tied to, or maybe not thematically tied to, but inspired by that character I talked about before who had taken a vow of nonviolence. So he's a level 20 character, but his stuff's going to be, like, apparently a lot with buffs and debuffs and heals, which I'm totally alright with. Um, and I'm now playing the oldest and youngest characters in the party because he was trapped in the Temple of the Ancients for some number of years, to hear him say it at least a thousand, um, based on context clues. I still don't have the background, I don't know the character's name. That may change by the time this episode comes out, but, like... I'm just excited to mess with this dude. Uh, also, as we were escaping the temple, part of the mural fell away and revealed a hint as to the location of a very powerful magical artifact. Um, fans of the podcast The Film Reroll will know that the GM, well, the usual GM for it, Paolo, hides the one ring somewhere in basically the Lord of the every Rings campaign. One ring. Yes, the Lord of the Ring <laughs> in all different rings settings. One ring. Yes, in all different settings. 
Um, the players actually did find it once, uh, but then didn't realize they had found it because they were playing Memento and they forgot the memory of... Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. that just the way. Um, but, but we found a clue as to the location of the One Ring because this all started based off of a fan community from uh, the film reroll. But yeah, so we found a location of the One Ring. It seems to be orbiting the planet. Uh, but none of our characters know what the mural meant because two of us saw it, but the only people who would know anything about it uh, are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? What second mural? Uh, so <laughs> we as players know or have reason to suspect where it is. Oh, God, and we we prevented Sid from being able to fix the rocket in Rocket Town. Oh, I can't believe no. you prevented Sid from being able to fix the rocket and rock it down. All right, let's How just. How's the rocket let's... power kids gonna be able to do it now? <laughs> let's go all in on on the Shinra space program and go and get the One Ring. <laughs> oh uh, god! But I'm um, I'm a, I'm very excited for this character. Um, also, now both of my characters are higher level than the rest of the party because Yuffie found uh. Oh, I've, she found the experience up material, which in this just automatically, it's like a consumable and it just gains you an additional level. Um, oh, okay. So she's level 11 when the rest of the party is level 10, and this new guy is apparently level 20. So, alright. <laughs> oh, but it was How it was a fun and ridiculous time. So it's, it's essentially 5e, uh, but with some occasional homebrewing. So you gain a level, and it's it's milestone leveling. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, which is also why the experience up materia is just a consumable that gets you an extra level. But a whole level for free? Shit, that puts you ahead above. Yeah, no, I gotta go back to Gold Saucer and just break into their storeroom and steal some for everybody, but mostly Yuffie. Uh, um, no, but those are those are any of y'all playing games that. Uh, Weren't the ones I listed this week? Nope. No, um, however, we did make a choice. Um, we are doing a, uh, science fantasy game, uh, on the weekend sometimes with my, uh, real-life friends. Um, and it's not, thankfully for me, based off of the one I didn't run for them, uh, Astral Refrain. Um, so, that's good. There are some points of confusion that were cleared up as well. Like, he said, like, humans couldn't use magic, but he went, it's, it's like, you can't be, like, sorcerers, you could be, like, a wizard or someone that used technology for magic. It's like, oh, so humans can use magic. It's just techno-magic, come on. Like, you need to be more clear with that. Um, it's weird. When you say 5e, I do not want to play a human, but if you say science fiction, I'm like, oh, no, I want to play a human. Um, and I don't know why that is. Yeah, I don't know. I almost never want to play a human. Because I just, I, I play a human every play a human day. human every goddamn day. I'm always playing around. Exactly. All right. Anyways, uh, should we do we our are... horror story? Yeah. Thank you for killing time for me with that. Um, <laughs> our story this week, posted on r slash RPG Horror Stories by user Jonna Claus. Player creates anime Catboy PC and uses random homebrew stat block off the internet. First of all, I want to specify that I don't dislike this player, and this is more of a minor annoyance than a horror story. 
but she can be very annoying at times, and DMing for her is always a challenge. As a bit of a background, she has always been one of those players who is always doing stupid slash violent things for no reason, and uses the fact that her alignment is neutral as an excuse, like killing random people for no reason because she thinks it's funny and generally not taking anything seriously. We were starting a new campaign, and she told me her list of character ideas. She was literally just a character from an anime she liked. Literally the exact person, not even with a name change or anything. Another was a completely average guy who wasn't good at anything. Not actually a bad idea. And finally, just an anime cat boy. That was all this... That was all at this point. We were discussing her character, and I asked her why he was an anime cat boy, but this just made it worse. Apparently, he died and went to the secret tenth layer of the Nine Hells, made of yarn and cats with a pink sky, and that he got turned into a cat, but he was so sad that he cried, which is something cats can't do. So the unnamed cat god let him out, but he was turned into an anime cat boy somehow. So I came up with a compromise. Yeah. There's an ancient eldritch feline monstrosity that recruits acolytes to gather souls for it to make into an army of cat monsters to conquer the world or something. Makes sense to me. Editor's note, uh, yeah, Garfield. Um, oh no, we're past that. We're actually in the stage of Garfield. We're past Eldritch Horror Garfield. Oh, we're, we're done with Eldritch Horror we're Garfield. At Eldritch Horror that loves John, like is still kind and considerate towards him. Oh, it's like I see you, John, and then it's like hugging. I love you. That's where we're at with Garfield. It's kind natured, but still like an atrocity. Yeah. Of its body. Okay. The character. Let's see. The character was wait. Right. The character was killed by one of these feline eldritch monstrosities and got transported to the entity's pocket dimension, which I removed the weird cat ocean and pink sky part from. Uh, hater. And while there managed to negotiate with the cat god. In exchange for his freedom, he was made into a warlock with the entity as his patron and had to kill a certain amount of people to send souls to the eternity and in exchange for magic powers took some of the traits of a cat. As flawed and cliche as this was, I thought it made slightly more lore friendly. She said it was good, and I thought that was the end of it. She wanted to give him a tutu for no reason, but decided not to. Yeah, she's just lol so random. <laughs> so at session zero, when we asked her to describe her character, she went back to her initial description, and I asked her if she even remembered the compromise we came up with. She said she did, but must have decided to ignore most of it, except for the warlock with the cat goddess patron part. So I go on explaining why her story doesn't make sense and is too goofy for what we're playing, and I'm normally fine with slightly goofy ideas. Heck, one of our characters in this campaign is a bard with an art form of artisan cheese making. So wacky. She does not see how her character is goofy at all. I'm assuring her love of, I'm assuming her love of anime is why she sees wacky stuff like this to be completely normal. And her sister says I'm just nitpicking and that her character fits in fine. I compromise because I don't want an argument. Once again, as annoying of a player she is sometimes, she generally has a good sense of humor and is fun to play with when not intentionally derailing everyone. And when it comes to character creation, she keeps asking for bonuses because she's a cat boy. Dark vision, double movement speed, extra jump height. While I deny all of these but dark vision, she finds a random homebrew cat boy stat block off the internet and uses that one instead. When I tell her that it probably isn't balanced and that she should run it past me first, she says it's fine and that she will change anything she thinks is broken. Since she is somewhat new, I don't know for sure if her judgment can be trusted or not. We haven't actually started playing yet, but if it ends up being a train wreck, I might update this pose, and I'm glad that this is more of a joke character than a cringy self-insert OC. Uh, this hey, poster what? is fucking hating. This is a buzzkill, dude. I... What a square! I'm sorry. I... Hey, I'm gonna use this custom thing from the internet. No, you can't see it or get final approval, GM. I'll decide whether it's uh, balanced. What? Oh, this player is also, for sure, <laughs> a real basket case. 
Oh, like, wow. Yeah, dark, yeah, dark vision for a cat, but like double run speed and jump height. Like, what is she gonna do? Like parkour meta onto the final boss? Like, I think that's fine. Like, that's just movement shit. Okay, but they have to take a minus three to persuasion because um, it's really sad. Like, you just like look at the sad cat boy and it just makes you sad. He could totally write that in as one of the uh, cat eldritch patrons like boons is that you become like agile and swift. Also, like a fucking cat. Who's out here creating custom racial stat blocks for cat boys when Tabaxi already exists? Yeah, most people I've heard usually just use Tabaxi and just say they are anime cat boys. Yeah, literally yeah. just say like, look, it's a Tabaxi cat person, but they don't have like a cat face. They've got like a K-pop face. Like, I mean, the Elder Scrolls we can take talk about how the fucking weird it is that the Khajiit are the Khajiit, but they are one race and just depending on the phase of the moon when you're born dictates about whether you are an anime cat boy or if you are a literal house cat. In... Oh yeah, I love that shit. I mean, it's they like, never oh, really yeah, get anime, anime cat, cat boy. boy but... they, I mean, they never really get full anime cat boy because they, at, at their most anthropomorphic, they still have a cat face. Usually, um, some of them are oh, can have really? human faces. We just haven't seen uh, any of them in the game because it would be dozens of models for them. Well, maybe okay, not. Maybe, maybe, halfway, maybe halfway between cat face and human face, like Ron Perlman with that Beauty and the Beast makeup on. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. i i thought I thought I thought the scale was like most anthropomorphic was general Khajiit in the game, and least anthropomorphic was just a literal cat. Um, but all right. No, I'm willing to get that they can get a little bit human with it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna Ron move off. Beauty and the Beast. We're gonna move off of Elder Scrolls, I think. But I do. I, I feel like I I also have to mention that the Argonians are tree people. Uh, not, I'm actually showing <laughs> not Jay. fully lizards. They're still also tree people. They're part this tree. This is what a Khajiit looks like in uh, Daggerfall. It looks like a Khajiit in Daggerfall can have a woman's face. Well, it just it's a person with a tail and cat ears. Okay. Um. Uh. But. Then again, it's Elder Scrolls lore. They'll just say that it didn't happen in the next game. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. This. Oh, <laughs> this. God. This man face. The Ron Perlman Beauty and the Beast makeup. Well, that's he's the worst just, thing I've seen. He's today. got like a human face, but with like a cat mouth and nose. Uh. Okay. Oh. Okay. Do we want? Okay. Do we want to talk about stats? Yeah, let's talk about stat generation. Uh, there's let's a get lot into the goddamn <laughs> podcast, why don't we? There's a lot okay, of different Miles. ways to do it. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to generate your ability scores, and some of them are fun. Uh, I should and say some we are, are primarily talking about 5e, because 5e is ubiquitous to many people's playing styles. Uh, we, might we will mention a couple other systems, but 5e is the one that really has some of the most options just right out of the gate. And, has um, a pretty, yeah. and also, like, its stat block is most accessible to people who are like starting from some role-playing video games because it's just like strength dexterity constitution intelligence charisma wisdom not in that mm -hmm. order but like mm -hmm. it's the sixth like most boiled down role-playing mm -hmm. abilities so when we talk about a stat array this is the process of being able to have some control and some randomness over what your character is strong in whether that be like strength or charisma or what have you so and this is this gets into some like computational theory stuff about like how much do you want control over this versus how much do you have to want to react to the outcomes of chance and like actually play with something. I uh, uh, we've talked on the podcast before. Like 
when I rolled uh, for these stats of my character Clink, um, and rolling is like a mostly random chance based, I ended up with f a f number four, which is like so low that a character in 5e like can't really speak at that intelligence level. That's like an animal. Um, anyway, but that came up just by chance and people gave me the option of like, you can reroll that. Like that's an absurdly low stat, but I thought, no, no, I'll take it and I'll put it into intelligence. So you like find a way to roll with whatever it is you're dealing with, you know? So there's a couple different methods to determine uh, which stats go where? Do we want to how, just, how, like, how do we want to describe them we just briefly? Yeah, did we just want to outline them? Um, uh, for 5e, the the three main ones are the stat array, um, which uh, I should get up specific. I think I, I I think this is how it is. You like you roll four dice, you drop the lowest, you add up the rest of them. These are like four d six. Yeah, yes. four. Yeah, four d six. Uh, so this is not stat array. That's a stat rolling. Yeah. That's stat rolling. Yeah, yeah. So, so you drop. So yes. that's got a little bit of randomness. That's what I use most of the time. And you drop the lowest one, so it's like not going to be too bad ever. And then you'll have a list of six numbers, and then you get to decide which stats those go into. And sometimes mm -hmm. you can get really good, and sometimes you can get really middling. Yeah. Um, and there's there's two like bits of variation on that that uh, are... Well, one is relatively standard. One is standard for my tables. Uh a relatively standard one is sometimes they they'll just have you roll three d6 instead to keep you from having those like slightly more optimized characters from the roll four and keep the highest three. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a pretty common one. Uh, my tables I'll also say with the four d6 keep the uh, top three or four d6 drop the lowest. I'll also say that if your total like net modifier in something like you got a plus two here, a plus one there, minus one, plus zero, that sort of thing. If your net modifier is like two or below, you can just re-roll all your stats. Uh, you can completely re-roll your character. That's totally cool yeah, with me. Yeah, because if you're not at that point, then it's like, all right, you want, we want you to be like better at more things. Overall. Yeah, I, I want you to be able to at least do something. Um but we'll we'll talk about some alternate forms of rolling later. Yeah, and uh, I, like I also I've also offered at my table when I do five e um, games. It's I would say also if you roll and you don't like what you rolled, you can also use the uh, stat array in the book. Uh, the stat array being a set of numbers that you just pick and choose for each stat. Yep, this is yeah. a generally fair basic distribution of numbers. Yeah, so arrange these how you see fit. This is a very standard. Sorry, I keep saying yeah. it's the standard array. Yes. Yes, the standard the array. Standard. What is it? 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. Uh, or no, 15. It, oh, well, I should just I should just look at it. Because I actually have it up in my hand right now. Thank 15, you. 14, 13, 12, 10, 8. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't particularly like the D&D &D version of standard array, but I understand that it has its place. Um... There are other systems with a similar way of doing standard array, though, um, and truthfully, it's something that I think 5e could learn from. Um, so I'm going to talk specifically for a moment here about Powered by the Apocalypse systems, um, and I guess a little bit about Ryutama, but um, systems that have a standard array that you pick, and like... You don't get to pick which stat goes where, technically. You pick from, these are the numbers you have. 
these are the numbers you don't roll for them these are the numbers that exist but you kind of pick from a group of arrays um ryutama does it a little bit differently but powered by the apocalypse games in general each playbook has a set of a couple of arrays that you can pick from each one gives you a plus two in uh the the stat that your playbook is going to require most often mm -hmm. and i like that and it usually gives you a negative one in the stat that your playbook would be least attuned to and i like that too and in theory every stat array that every stat array option has the same net bonus to it um in fact i know for it's like specific point in monster of the week i know for a fact that just about every single stat array even between playbooks has the same net bonus with the exception of the chosen the chosen's net bonus is like plus two higher than every other playbook um but they're also you know the chosen one so of course um but I like that you get to pick too, because some of them will have a plus one in cool, and some of them, but a minor, but like a plus zero in tough, and you know that's for a character that's not particularly good in a fight, but they're good in a crisis, and you know some of them will have the opposite of that, or like different ways of forming a character from the stats, which I've never been a big fan of building a character stats first, but I think games that require you to use a standard array kind of benefit from doing that um whereas ryutama you pick from a certain set of distributions you either have what is it an an eight and uh, two eights and two fours an eight two sixes and a four uh or or no an eight a six and two fours and then an eight and, i don't remember sorry we yeah, just it's played ryutama specialized um like slightly specialized and average oh yeah okay it was it was a it was a d8 a, uh two d8s and two d4s a d8 a d6 and two d4s no i no a d8 two d6s and a d4 or four d6s yeah that was it because they all have the same number of net bonus yeah there we go uh but yeah and you decide where those go which is a little bit more freedom to a degree than um than powered by the apocalypse games but when you're doing a powered by the apocalypse game you're also choosing your playbook based off of these thematic elements that already kind of decides where your highest stat would go um, is it just safe to rec is it just safe to recommend for anyone trying out a new system just find a standard strat stat or a you don't have to like go through the process of building a character out all the way that's definitely uh a possibility it it can be fun um i'm not truthfully a big fan of standard satellite for d20 systems because i don't think d20 systems do it quite right um because most of them just do it like D D, and i don't like D D's because i feel like D D's makes you so basic and like functionally uninteresting to me but I'm also a fan of having characters that are good at some things and really bad at others. And I know that's a little bit of min-maxi, but I like my characters to have flaws. It's a fun thing for me. Um, which is why I do kind of like point-buy systems. 
it's it's hard it's hard for I, me to get into like some point, point by systems. systems. Point by systems you might recognize from many video games when you start and they give you a bunch of they give you all your stats and here's 15 points. Allocate them how you wish. Yes. It is like an even number of you know like a sort of balanced number of things uh, points to assign to each stats but like if you pour them all into like certain it gives you the power to just pour them into certain specific things like a lot. Yeah. Um, there's there's a certain degree of it where it's like hyper specialized. There's like a sliding scale sometimes where increasing something to um, to like say with yeah uh, it takes five two points point to five. get it to the next level and then three points and then four points yeah it's um, increasingly expensive. The the point where I don't particularly like D and D five E's point by system is I think it's too narrow. Because it bottoms out at 8 and caps out at 15. And I don't find that fun. Uh, oh, so it's because... kind of the same thing that... Uh, see, I've actually never done fa- uh, uh, step or point by in 5e. Um, again, I like it in other systems. Uh, but I've only done the standard array once and um, rolling, I think, most every other time. Mm-hmm. Although I get... I understand... Oh, sorry, I'll get to stuff in a minute. Um, but it, 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 I get what you're saying is that point by and uh, standard array in 5e are very specifically safe choices and therefore probably can't produce truly interesting characters. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. My, I mean, realistically, I started with, I started tabletop RPGs with Pathfinder and I think Pathfinder handles point by way better. Um, because with Pathfinder, your default score is 10 and you have a differing number of points depending on whether it's like high fantasy or low fantasy. And, you know, it changes the number of points that you can invest in it. Um, whereas D&D 5e, you start out at eight, which is already sitting at a modifier of negative one and everything. And you have 27 points to put in, but you can only bring something up to, um, you can only bring something up to eight. And uh, my headset just died, but my mic yeah, is no, still just, reading. It, me. it just sounds like most characters. But but uh, again, my I, friends. I guess I'll just say this me. now. Um, I do understand why some people hey, might be uh, a my little bit headset hesitant. just died. Uh, my audio may be maybe wonky for a second. We can cut this out later. I thought I plugged it into charge, but apparently not. Apparently that got unplugged. Earlier. It's okay, Mister Robot. Yes, um, we still like you. Actually, I don't know about Jay. Should speak for him. But can y'all hear me? I guess uh, I wouldn't be yep, able to you hear you anyway. Robotic. I can see your I can see your mic lighting up though, which means that you can presumably hear me. We can hear you. Uh, let us know when you can hear us. You do still sound like a robot. Just go. Shut up. <laughs> Okay, and you can hear us, probably. Hmm. Find a predicament. Predicament. Oh. Okay, try again. La 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 la. Hey, there we go. There we go. Yes, awesome. (laughs) Um, cool. That's fun. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna clap real quick so we know where to end, the where where we're starting back in. So, three, two, one. All right. Uh, so, 
I don't love Standard Array in 5e because I feel like it starts out and, you know, doesn't allow you to go very far, but uh, Pathfinder, you get a different number of points based off of whether it's low fantasy, high fantasy, whatever. Um, but with 5e, you get 27 points, no matter what the setting is, but you can only increase from 8 to 15. Whereas with Pathfinder, you get those different number of points, and you can spend them to go uh, from 10 up to 18, or you can choose to go down from 10 to 7. With 5e, you can't get below 8. You cannot drop yourself down below 8. So you will never, if you're doing point buy, have a score below a minus, or have a bonus below a minus 2. And I don't super, I don't super drive with that, or below a minus 1. Um, because I like giving my characters flaws and being rewarded for it mechanically. That's part of what I like about Savage Worlds, too. Um, but like, alright, say we've got f we've got 10 points. This is a low fantasy Pathfinder game. We're starting at 10. I want to put 10 points into one of my stats, make it a 16, everything else is a 10. Don't love that, so I'll drop two of my scores to an 8. Now I've got two now I've got a 16, two eights, two tens, and I've got four more points to work with. So I can bump up uh one of my I can bump up my uh two tens to two twelves. Then I've got a 16, two twelves, and two eights. That's that's not bad. That's a that's a more interesting stat array to me. Um Yep. But you know I've got no response. But you know, I have to say, for some people though, maybe that's because the the average amount of people that would want to do the stat array in 5e, most of them probably aren't looking more for the interesting character bit so far as they don't want to take the risk that um, they're going to get a really bad role. So they want to basically have just the guidelines to make a boring, maybe, but functional character. Yeah, and that's absolutely fair, and, like, if you want to go with the safe bet, point buy or standard array are not bad options, I just don't find them personally creatively enjoyable. Just like when we were talking about our least favorite classes, it's not that I think any class is inherently bad, it's just that I don't personally enjoy it. From a creative standpoint. Um, yeah. But there's other point buy things, like Savage Worlds, you can, uh, oh, what is it? You can increase a certain number of die sizes, essentially. Yeah, so when you make your character in Savage Worlds, you get um, a number of points to raise your attributes, and then you get a number of points to increase your skills. Um, and so it's all point by. Uh, certain species will have different stats, uh, like 5e and such, but also, you can take, and this is still, it is optional, but that's like with an asterisk, it's kind of like, why wouldn't you do this? Um, you can take hindrances for your characters that had either role-playing hindrances or uh, mechanical hindrances. And for each uh, minor or major one of those, you get a total of uh, four points for and you can use those four points to actually buy things that are either an attribute or your um, skills or something. And I kind of like that little bit of versatility there, too. Hmm. Oh, but, I just realized I only had five stats in that theoretical Pathfinder block I was making. But Oh. Oh, well. Hey, look, it's two eights, a ten, and two twelves, and a sixteen. 
you got me. <laughs> I'm a fake fan. But, uh, you know, one thing I'll also say, like, so 5e doesn't have skill points. Um, some systems will not have, or will have, uh, uh, points to put in your skills. But for me, uh, long story short, that I almost always go with the extra rule where, or like the optional rule of giving your characters more skill points, which I know that's kind of, you could just homebrew it that way anyways, but when it's in the official book, it feels kind of more official, but <laughs> I, yeah, the teacher gave you permission. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, and it's just, I like that because frankly, I also want people's characters the more you points you can put into skills, especially something like Savage World, a lot of ways the more fleshed out your characters feel. Unless you just do weird min-maxing and you make yourself the best sharpshooter in the world at level one. Well I am a cat well, I am a cat boy, so I think I would naturally have these talents. Oh, uh, you know what you're <laughs> right. Um Do we wanna talk about alternative ways of generating stats than these three, you know, general forms uh yeah actually, oh you could do all sorts of things one last thing is mm -hmm. i don't know what we would actually consider the cypher system so the cypher system has three stats which is int what uh strength and speed and your i guess it would be kind of a stat or point by but your type so basically whatever your class is um your descriptor and your focus all can add to your stat pools in those games um there's one thing where you get an option it's like yeah you can increase uh it's like you have to have intelligence but you also have one free point if you want to put it somewhere else mm -hmm. i guess that would be a um yeah that would be a uh stat buy i guess for the one part either way it, it makes like choosing things about your character a little bit more meaningful in that um not to say it's not meaningful in other games, but I can tell you a lot of times my background has no influence on anything in my 5e games. Just totally ornamental. Just oh. for backstory. Listen, I took Far Traveler in our Rhyme of the Frost Maiden game because my character's literally from another planet. So. Mm hmm. And the only difference is I think that we've, like, said that uh, Santa Claus is real in my world and France exists. That's a little unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus um, and France. Uh, okay, let's get to those other methods. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you could... So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I had one related to point by, so I was going to try and pop Arrange a grid. Arrange a grid on your lawn uh, of numbered little patches marked off with tape or string place uh, various nuts in each of them. Each of them corresponds to a different number. The first squirrel you see is the number uh, that applies to... In <laughs> Yes. So you would have them like maybe 10 through 16 and uh, you pull your numbers based on like where you're seeing squirrels the first six times. That's so ridiculously silly, but I do really like it. Even this though I like, don't think uh, I'd ever actually do it. small... This will be the ritual of a small town that is founded by the survivors of Dungeons and Dragons' parents. Um, after they all, I don't know, never came home from LARP one day. 
So the kids had to reconstruct society. And that's how they roll for characters. Here's, here's how you roll for characters. Here's how you get your array of numbers. Uh, you take a big slice of watermelon and you take a bite out of it. And however many seeds you spit out, that's your first number. Do that six times. What was your idea, Miles? I imagine it has slightly less to do with watermelon. It does have less to do with watermelon, that's true. Um, so one of the ones I had seen was a communal point buy system where everybody has a shared pool of points that they can spend and you just, uh, you can expend them from it, but it becomes a much more collaborative process where, you know, you have to say, hey, I, I would like to be really good at this thing. We need this stat for our party at, for at least one of us to be really good who's willing to give up some of their points to make this possible. Uh, but you need that to have the right group for that. Yeah, I was going to say, that would really uh, instill a lot of trust in your other players right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, Stats by peer assignments. You get together with your group. You tell them your character's concept and sort of like your class and everything. And then the other players will go round robin like a draft and decide what your stat numbers are. And then everyone does that for everyone else's characters. Um, I also have a weird, a weird oh system gosh. that I found. Um, I say found, I just kind of came up with it as bullshit right now. Yeah. Um, it's a 2d8 really? system. I have sources for all of my ideas. <laughs> I researched these. Uh, but it's a 2d8 system. And uh, depending on the result for one of the D8s, that decides your bonus, and the result for the other D8 decides your score. So you roll one D8. If it's a four, your modifier is negative one. If it's a five, your modifier is plus one, going all the way to plus four at eight and minus four at one. The other D8 decides if it's an odd or even score. Uh, and using that, just in the last couple of minutes, it's it's dumb. I don't recommend you use it unless you want weird stat arrays. Um, but using it, I just got these these three stat arrays. A 3, a 15, an 8, a 15, a 7, and a 14 for the first one. Second one, 7, 17, 6, 17, 6, 17. Um, and the third one, 16, 17, 13, 17, 13, 5. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of spread that this can do, but I'm not going to pretend it wasn't kind of fun for a moment there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't recommend it for an actual character because, oh boy. Um, although, to be fair, the first one's net modifier is, uh, let me just check here, but the first one's net modifier is negative two. Not, not amazing. Uh, the second one's is plus three, and the third one's is, let's see, uh, plus eight. So like I said, yeah. not statistically, not statistically viable, but weird. And that's what we're doing here. We're doing weird ones a little bit, uh, though some of them are a little bit more statistically uh, reasonable than others. Uh, I've got a few more, but I'm not going to... Not gonna just talk over y'all for everything right now. Um, any other ones nope. that you know that you have like specifically in your head? So this one I was discussing with Jay and is relies too much on skill. But I was saying you get a dartboard 
And since the points are from 1 to 20 on there, and I don't know you actually read darts because I know where you put it on the dartboard also matters, but I'm just looking at the numbers on the circle. Oh, here's, here's mm -hmm. an idea. Okay. If you hit them on the outer bit of the circle, um... You get to kiss your girlfriend? I don't know. You don't get to, like, decide where they go. You don't get to decide uh, where that number goes. If you get on the mm -hmm. inner ring, you do get to assign it right then and there. But also, I think, like, so 20 is on there. But 20 is... You can't have a whole slice of that pie be 20, because everyone will just be gunning for that the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, that 20 should be inert, or it should be a 10, unless it's the bullseye. The bullseye is 20. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I have also seen, so, oh, uh, there's, there's another way of rolling it where you do too strong, too good, too weak, where for two of them, you roll three D six or two of them, you roll four D six and keep the, uh, best three. And then for two of them, you roll six D six and keep the best three. So no matter, so you're going to have two that you are probably not great in and two that you are really good in, um, and two you're just kind of average at. And I think that's interesting, but that's another one where the statistics of it kind of break down. Um, that one's not for me, that one's from other people, but I think it's at least neat to potentially try at some point. Um, one that's... <sighs> okay. There's a guy on TikTok right now whose username I have already forgotten, uh, but given he inspired this, I... I do want to give him a quick shout out. Um, uh, Freddy underscore pow pow. Uh, he, he's been doing some interesting ones and the two he's done so far were you, you do a CPU game of smash set him, uh, set all of them to 12 stock and have it be six me fighters, one for each of your stats. And at the end of the match, you go based on their number of KOs and that's your ability score in it. And, like, weirdly, it does kind of work out to be a little bit statistically viable, which is weird. Um, yeah, I watched the TikTok of that or whatever that was. Um, yeah. Because I'm an adult and don't understand TikTok. Um, but it's, it it's, a, it's a fun I saw it on the TikTok. It's, it's, the a, it's, a, it's a fun one that I'd be interested in potentially trying at some point. Um but he also did another one, which was the blackjack method, which I have seen people talk about before, um, where you draw from a deck and you're essentially playing blackjack. And if you bust, then you take the number that you busted by and reduce your total by that. Or you take that away from 21. So, like, say you were at a 17 and you decided to hit and you got a 6. That'd bring you up to 23. So you bring that down, uh instead by six so you now have an 11 jeez yeah i i've, I've seen punishment. people yeah yeah i do like punishment based stat rolling uh but it's 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 an interesting one i think it's i think it's kind of fun um again i've never done that one but i would be interested in trying it i'd especially honestly be interested in trying it for a character who was some sort of gambler like i'd want to talk to my gm and be like hey my character's a gambler. How about I try this for my stat generation? Are you cool with that? Just just as an extra little like thing tying me to the character a bit. 
You know, but, we were talking about cards, but we hadn't really figured out a way. I was just thinking of something where you draw cards, but then if you think about it, you could draw four twos. So, so there have to be a better way of doing it than just drawing a card. I get that way. Yes, was intense, but also made perfect sense to me as you were explaining it. Yeah. Uh, so I have seen people do card drawing, uh, but what they do is they take out all of the cards. Uh, above and below, uh, below four and above nine, and then you get dealt two cards. So you could end up with an eight, or you could end up with an 18, but it ends up averaging out to actually about a 13, or like a, a an 11 to 13 range. I, I, I try that. I, I, mm -hmm. Different ideas of point by, or not point by, Saturday are fun. Um, yeah. I've, I've also seen that one where people can then trade their cards. Like, you get one trade you get to make. You get to trade one card with someone else. And it's it's essentially like you're playing, like, go fish with your stats, which is so weird, but also just silly and fun. Because, um, again, this is a game. Let's make it fun. Yeah, I always like, yeah, playing go fish. Just break that yeah. out in the middle of a campaign. Yeah. It's the original it's trading card game. To gamble, and you're like, "All right, fellas, saddle up. Time for man's game." We should think about how to inject more gambling into uh, into these games. Yeah, let's let's uh, get some not, let's get some no, high stakes. It's gotta be the NFTs. We'll get some high stakes goldfish going. You know, the the World Series of Go Fish uh, in Reno, Nevada. I gotta see that. No, I'm sure that's a real thing. I love taking any game and looking up the uh, world championship for it. I try to look up the world championship for uh, Simon. You know, the Remember the Color Patterns game, Simon? Mm-hmm. And, and you can't find it anywhere. And of course you can't, because why would they do that? It would take so long. Yeah. Okay. For your adult children friends, yeah. do an Easter egg hunt with... It's like the communal thing, but Ooh. this is a communal stat array. So you've hidden Easter eggs with numbers... That's a good idea. Somewhere, and yeah. everyone has to find. Everyone the... has to find six, and what you get is what you get. Mm -hmm. So I love it that. It is entirely random. Um, and I people I... could like metagame that where like someone is just like, I only want the blue eggs. Here, I'll trade you. Mm -hmm. I want one of the blue <laughs> eggs. So I'm going all blue eggs. That's my strategy. Oh, that'd be that'd be so fun. I know. I just I was like. I... I was going to say, because, like, I do that with children, but I don't know if they have the wheel. patience, because yeah. you're like, I'm going to get you all hyped up and then make you sit at a table to assign numbers. See, this, this will is... will appeal to one in 20 children. This is why it sucks that I live so far away from y'all, because I would absolutely love to do this for a game. <laughs> I'm going to have to, like, write this down, and then when you inevitably move back here, because no one can truly escape Pittsburgh, um... Scratch that. Get two teams. I will bleep that out. Get two teams of twelve kids. Put the various numbers on them, and then they play dodgeball against each other. And whoever is the first six to get out on each team—that's two people's stat arrays. Just play Legends of the Hidden Temple. That wouldn't give you any. The numbers of that don't make sense because don't they usually have like what four or five points at the end? Yeah. Here's your stat array. Uh, go look up the lifetime wins of each of the teams. Like. <laughs> Purple pandas, green jaguars, yellow monkeys, and get those like lifetime team win numbers, and that's your stat array. 
No, what you do is you go with the stat, you go with the standard array, but uh, you look at the opening like raft game or rope, uh, like rope bridge cross or whatever it is that first game that every team competes in. Yeah. And your strength is the red jaguars who are pretty much always on the far side from the camera's point of view, and the and your charisma is the purple parrots, which are pretty much always on the closest side. And the order the teams finish in, that's where your highest stat from the standard array goes. So if the red jaguars finish first, your strength is now that 15. If the purple parrots finish last, which they pretty much always do, uh, then charisma is your eight. Take your local uh, penny saver, put it through a paper shredder, mix all the strips together, start pulling them out, and the first six let f- the first six numbers you see are your stat array. So I think an interesting thing about okay, some of the t- ones we come up with, um, they just do end up being more complicated versions of the dice rolling. Absolutely, the dice rolling is some of the most interesting, or like the simplest ways of adding random chance to your thing. Um, I guess that's why we wanted to do different stat array things, because it's like, well, that's fine, but what, what, how else could I do this? Um, order six pizzas and have, and, and uh, yeah, order six pizzas and invite uh, invite six friends over. Tell them they can only pick from one of the boxes. And your ability okay. score bonus, <laughs> your ability score bonus is the relative difference between number of uh, number of slices each one of them has, and of course Order your six... ability score that they represent is the one that they represent in your eyes. <laughs> so okay. I hope you have a diverse group of friends. Oh God, <laughs> take a take six local pizza places, uh, assign them numbers from a stat array. And then order the same thing from all of them, six, all six of them. And then the order their delivery drivers arrive in assigns it <laughs> down the list. Wait, but hold on. If one of those is Little Caesars, you can just make sure that's the highest number by getting it yourself. See, we, we've already figured out how to cheat the system. They use the Little Caesars technique. You always assign Little Caesars 18 if you want strength for a barbarian. And they'll get it to you so quick. Oh no, I think we've discovered a new terrible game for like a new terrible segment. I <laughs> here's, No, here's the real way to do it. Statter plant 6 apple trees. Okay. The first year that they bear fruit, the number of apples on each is your statteray. And I mean from seed. Okay. But what a druid character you would make out of that. <laughs> And you would really been, learn something along the way. I've been waiting all these trees. been waiting all these years to play this druid. Oh, <laughs> damn it. My wisdom is a 6. <laughs> you know knew, what that checks out. I knew out that with tree was going to have the blight by the time it got big. <laughs> oh no, one of them got bark beetles. No, you sons of bitches. This is not <laughs> optimal. <laughs> I can't think of any other fun, goofy, but also possibly viable ones right now. Um, Go find a crypto mining operation and like pick like the first six GPUs that you see that are spinning for crypto mining and then turn the voltage up and down really fast. And then, <laughs> and you assign them numbers 
and the first, and the order in which they die is the order the numbers go down your sheet. Get six what? sticky hands and stick them all to the wall at the same time, and the order they fall in is that's your lowest stat. Play Minesweeper. The amount of time uh, you play six times in a row, your stat array is whatever or how many turns you survived in that game. Put out publicly a casting call for child actors ages 8 to 17, and then oh, the order in which... And then, like, the ages the, of the first six that audition. You can make up whatever the whatever the uh, project is. I feel like this might be illegal. This one might be illegal. You can you can be you can tell them it's a movie, some kind of movie. Okay, you know what? Uh, no, I think no, I just, just tell them of... it's a student art project. No one ever expects to see those happen anyway. Oh, Jay, what was the um uh the thing I forgot? Was it confetto or whatever that we put in the cupcakes? Funfetti. No, not funfetti. The um, uh, little harder kind of was like a hard marshmallow. Oh, fondant. Mar marshmallow. Hard marshmallow yeah. fondant. Okay. Yes. So, you make uh you you get some numbers and you pick them into uh 12 cupcakes. You invite five friends over. Whatever the numbers in the cupcakes are, those are your stats. Also, you made cupcakes. Congratulations. Yeah, at the end of, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. like you've you've uh, contributed to your community. Although you have forced your friends to just eat a chunk of fondant. It's not that bad. I, 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 this, this is an anti-fondant household. Uh, well, you know what might be fun? And this is kind of a real one. What if you had like one of those uh, gender reveal parties with a balloon, but you have <laughs> six balloons? You know, I was thinking about like a gender reveal thing, but like, I was like, what? So we're going to start a forest fire to figure out... Okay, that fire was oh, very close to where I live, bud. Oh, gosh. Um, we were dealing with the smoke from that fire for quite some time. I'm saying it like this because it's not the closest I've ever gotten to a forest fire. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I was interned for Smokey the Bear for a summer in college. That sounds really kinky. Because he no. said he was in college, so... That's inappropriate. No. He's, no. He's your, if he's your boss. No, Smokey... If he's not paying me, he should be giving me something else anyways. No, Smokey's, Smokey's great. He, I mean, he canonically is always wearing pants. <laughs> there is nothing sexual about Smokey the Bear. Nothing to worry about. Really? So we're saying that... Uh, Although no apparently his name is just Smokey Bear. Look? Apparently his name is just Smokey Bear, not Smokey the Bear. Um... Smokey T Bear. What do you remember in the '90s when he was all hip hop and he was Smokey Da Bear? I, I didn't remember that, and I'm glad I don't. That's uh, that's a real thing that I made up. Okay, you invite six mascots to your local high school like track stadium, uh, and you have them all run a hundred meters. And the order they finish in, that's uh, that's their placement in the stat block. And I mean, obviously, like. Fucking Scruff McGruff, that's, I don't know, Constitution? Yeah, no, he would be. Oh, sorry, I'm just, like, trying to think if there's anything else I can think of. I should have just engaged with yours. It's I weird to... It's, it's Miles. It's, I mean, honestly, it's, it's weird to think that Scruff McGruff was a specific, like, targeted ad campaign for kids from the Chicago Police Department. 
It is extremely weird. For, for some Especially reason, knowing knowing that it's yeah, knowing it started in Chicago makes it like way worse to me. Yeah, it's it's a it's essentially the Chicago PD's mascot. Um, yeah. Uh. Anyway, I think we I think this bit may have run its course. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Shooting the Sheet podcast. Miles, what is your other podcast? Uh, it's on air book fair. We talk about books and shit. Uh, tomorrow we're recording another episode, and it's going to be our last one on the House of the Scorpion, which. And my god, it's dark. We're gonna get ankle-deep in some plankton. We sure are. Um, this sounds gross. It's it a, is. It's, it's, a, it's a very good book, though. It's up there with Elemist Chronicles for my favorite book we've read on the podcast so far. I can't beat Elemist. I am still having, like, it was so insane good. head trips about, like, the Demiurge while I'm at work and thinking about Elemist. It's crazy. All right. Uh, you can find us all at mimicsmarket.com. We post all of our podcasts up there. We also have link trees that are also on the social meet or the about us section. Uh, you can find us anywhere, really, with Mimics Market, except for Twitter. Go do it. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes where you call us fools and rubes oh. and idiots. We may also have new art for at least on-air book fair in, you know, the coming weeks because one of our listeners has graciously offered to actually make us some uh wow keep and, an eye out for that and you Which know i'm happy that you have listeners for on air book fair congratulations yeah That's me really too <laughs> yeah and they said that it's an interesting project that they want to help support like wait what hold on people want to actually support what we're doing not just like yeah yeah i'll put these i'll put these jokers on for a little bit oh gosh have you been directing people to mimics market on your podcast now uh, i haven't but i guess we will because that means I should make sure the website actually works on mobile. Because it doesn't. No, it doesn't matter. It does not. We're not professional. We're th and the podcast is over. Whoa, I'm falling into a hole. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, Jay, because I like talking about big dogs, I was showing Jay my um, uh, pretty much finalized team that I'll end up beating the game with, and you got my Decidueye, I got my Alpha Arcanine, my Alpha Ursaluna, my Alpha Luxray, um, my Alolan Ninetales, and Which, my, compared to all these Alphas, is, like, comically small. It is. Just sitting amongst them. And then I have my Hisui, uh, what, Zora Arc? Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm Um... I like my team. It's a fun team. Honestly, I, of all of them, I'd probably get rid of my Decidueye first. It is just, I like my Decidueye It is a just a pile of big Borfin boys. They're going Borf. I just swapped out one of my Pokemon for... Uh, I swapped out my my uh, West Sea Gastrodon for an Alpha East Sea Gastrodon. And honestly, it's, it's, it's more because I like the Eastern design of Gastrodon better. Uh, but like... <laughs> It is the only alpha I've got in my party. Uh, my party's just a whole team of betas. Um, but <laughs> because honestly, like at this point, yeah, it is. I don't, I don't care. Like, yeah, all right. I can go and catch the alpha Luxray and I can go and catch the alpha Alakazam and I have, but like, 
I'm not going to swap them out for the ones I've had in my team for the last 43 hours of play. Oh, I understand that. I I really have only been constructing most of this team for a bit. And actually, I, I specifically was hunting for that Growlithe. I, mm-hmm. I managed to get it right at the end of your last session, Miles, on Monday. I was like, oh, this <laughs> I don't, is great timing. I don't mean to reel us back too hard, but this is a podcast where we talk about tabletop games. Yeah, yeah. I might cut this. We should have a whole other podcast for video games. Honestly, maybe I'll just put this entire thing at the end of the episode. <laughs>